Welcome to Archway's Western Civilization History Podcast. In our podcast, we look for the best of the West and discuss the stories, events, themes, and people that made the West different from the rest. Lately, we've been learning about the Italian republics of the Renaissance. Last week was a special episode where we learned about the position of the Pope and the influence he exerted during the late medieval period. Today, we'll talk about the Pope's dominion on Earth, the Papal States, and how they turned into the Vatican City of today. According to the Encyclopedia Britannica, the Papal States, also called the Republic of St. Peter or the Church States, the Italian Stati Pontifici or Stati della Chiesa, were territories of central Italy over which the Pope had sovereignty from A.D. 756 to 1870. Included were the modern Italian regions of Lazio, Umbria, and Marche, and part of Emilia-Romagna, though the extent of the territory, along with the degree of papal control, varied over the centuries. For those unfamiliar with Italy's geography, these states covered the shaft of Italy's boot, including Rome, from the Tyrrhenian Sea on the west side to the Adriatic Sea on the east. The Papal States were directly south of Florence and the Tuscany region, as well as south of Venice, Milan, and Genoa, which make up the collar of the boot of the Italian peninsula. You may remember in our episode on medieval factions, we talked about how the Goths and the Huns sacked Rome in the 400s. During this tumultuous period, Pope Leo I took it upon himself to negotiate for Rome's security. Just as the ancient high priest of Israel negotiated with Alexander the Great to spare Jerusalem, Leo I convinced Attila the Hun to not sack Rome in AD 452. Three years later, he negotiated with the Vandal king, Genseric, to not burn down the city and to spare the citizens taking refuge in the basilicas of St. Peter, St. John, and St. Paul. So there was a precedent for the Pope to take actions as a leader on earth to protect the people and shrines in his domain. By the 500s, Rome was even more unstable, and the Pope at the time, Gregory, was compelled to take action. According to an article on papal supremacy linked in the description, quote, As the leading civilian official of the empire in Rome, it fell to Pope Gregory to take over the civil administration of the cities and to negotiate for its protection with the Lombard invaders threatening it. Another part of this phase occurred in the 8th century after the rise of the new religion of Islam had weakened the Byzantine Empire and the Lombards had renewed their pressure in Italy. The popes finally sought support from the Frankish rulers of the West and received from the Frankish king Pepin the Short the Italian territory later known as the Papal States. In exchange for the land, Pope Leo III crowned Pepin's son, Charlemagne, as the Roman Emperor. And so, in the face of instability, the Pope took action to protect Rome and secure its allies in the Frankish Empire. Shortly after securing Pepin's gift of land, the Pope then negotiated with the Lombard king and got him to cede territory in northern and central Italy to the papacy as well. The Pope consequently became ruler of the area around Ravenna, the Pentapolis, and the region around Rome. And so, that's the story of how the popes, in an effort to protect their holy sites and the people of Rome, and, and finding the Byzantine Empire too weak and unsympathetic to help them, ended up turning themselves into allies of the Franks and the Lombards, and from this they were bequeathed the temporal dominion of their own. At first, the control they exerted over this domain was minimal. The people in these regions still had their own counts and marquis who dwelt in rocas, castles and fortresses, and they oversaw the day-to-day -day administration of these lands. The Pope's lands were essentially just part of the Frankish Empire, and when that split into uh, Charlemagne's descendants' territories, they ended up just a part of the Holy Roman Empire. The Emperor claimed he was acting as the Pope's vicar in administering the temporal affairs of all of Christianity. 
This region was also an incredibly mountainous and awkwardly shaped region, making it difficult to actually say it was a sovereign kingdom. It wasn't until the mid-11th to the mid-13th century when the Papal States took their place as a true sovereign nation. It began with the investiture controversy, which we spoke of in our first episode on Florence. Pope Gregory VII's bold attack after 1075 on the traditional practices where the emperor had control appointments to the higher church offices spawned protracted civil and ecclesiastical strife in Germany and Italy. It caused many Italians to join the Guelph party, those who wanted the pope to rule and not the German monarchs. In 1077, Gregory had passed the Gregorian reforms which decoupled the church and Italy from German rule. Less than 20 years later, when Urban II launched the Crusades, vast armies were marshaled and put under papal command. These efforts enhanced papal prestige in the 12th and 13th centuries, leading to powerful popes such as Alexander III, who in the Treaty of Venice declared the papal states independence in 1177. Other popes followed Alexander's footsteps, such as Innocent III and Innocent IV, wielding primacy over the church and a jurisdictional supremacy over emperors and kings in temporal and spiritual affairs. In the 12th and 13th centuries, the popes faced the rise of commune governments, especially in the Romagna region. Although generally supportive of the northern Italian communal movements, the popes opposed those in central Italy and in Rome itself, where a revolt against papal authority took place in the early 1150s. Despite such threats to the integrity of the papal states, the papacy managed to expand its territories during this period, acquiring the Duchy of Benevento in 1077 and the Duchy of Spoleto in 1201. In the late 1200s, Pope Boniface VIII declared that the clergy should not pay taxes and that earthly kings should be subject to the pope. King Philip IV of France obviously did not support this measure. And in addition to banning exports to the Papal States, in 1305 he accidentally killed the Pope while he was in jail in France. A new Pope was elected, Clement V, who happened to be French, and he repealed the declarations that Boniface had made. Fun fact, he also rubber-stamped Philip IV's rounding up, arresting, and executing of the Knights Templar. Clement V couldn't be bothered to move to Rome, so he just lived in Avignon, France, adding that random tiny territory in the middle of France to the Papal States. Control over the Papal States during this time grew a bit tenuous as its ruler was quite far removed from it, living in the middle of France. This period became known as the Babylonian Captivity and lasted for almost a hundred years. It explosively ended with the Great Schism of 1378 to 1417, during which time rival popes were elected who ruled from both Avignon and Rome, to make matters worse, in 1409, a third pope was elected at the Council of Pisa. The schism was finally resolved at the Council of Constance, where the rival popes were deposed and Martin V was elected. In the 15th century, the Papal States reached the height of their territorial power and dominance. Sixtus IV ruthlessly pursued temporal power through the promotion of family members to important offices in church and state and through various conspiracies against his enemies most notably the Medici family of Florence. During the reign of Alexander VI, the revival of the Papal States was subordinated to family ambition. The Pope actively supported the efforts of his son, Cesare Borgia, to create his own principality in central Italy. Under the warrior Pope Julius II, the Papal States reached their greatest extent, stretching from Parma and Bologna in the north to the south and east along the Adriatic coast and through Umbria to Campania, south of Rome, 
and much of this expansion was the result of campaigns led by the Pope himself. In the early part of the 18th century, however, the papacy struggled against the great secular powers of the North and lost its territory and rights to various regions. Despite some administrative improvements by the papal government, the territories remained in an economically backward condition throughout the century. In 1790, the Papal States were profoundly affected by the French Revolution and the subsequent wars of Napoleon Bonaparte. In 1791, Avignon removed itself from Papal control and was annexed by France. In 1797, Napoleon's conquest of Milan and his seizure of several Papal territories was confirmed by a treaty that established the Cisalpine Republic. In 1798, the French seized the rest of the papal territories and proclaimed it the Roman Republic. The refusal of Pius VI to recognize the new state led to his arrest and imprisonment. Pope Pius VII sought peace with France and even presided over Napoleon's imperial coronation in 1804. But the relationship between the two men deteriorated, and in 1809 the papal states were annexed once again and Pius was taken prisoner. The Papal States remained in French hands until the 1860s when Italian nationalists established a unified Italian nation, the Kingdom of Italy. For a long time, the nationalists didn't know what to do with the Pope and his lands, but they knew they wanted Rome to be the capital of their new nation, so they seized it from him. Having lost Rome and the Papal Palace, the Lateran Palace as it's now known, Pope Pius IX declared himself, quote, "...prisoner in the Vatican." and he determined that the kingdom of Italy had no right to rule. Forced to give up secular power, Pope Pius's successors focused on spiritual issues. The situation was resolved in February 1929 when the Lateran Treaty between the Holy See and the Kingdom of Italy was signed by Benito Mussolini on behalf of King Victor Emmanuel III and by Cardinal Secretary of State Pietro Gaspari for Pope Pius XI. The treaty, which became effective on June 7, 1929, established the independent state of Vatican City and reaffirmed that Catholic Christianity would be the only religion allowed in Italy. Today, Vatican City is the smallest state in the world, both by area and by population. It has an area of 49 hectares and a population of about 453 people. It has no army, and as the title implies, the Pope is indeed the sovereign of Vatican City. That being said, legislative functions are delegated to the unicameral Pontifical Commission for Vatican City State, led by the President of the Pontifical Commission for Vatican City State. Its seven members are cardinals appointed by the Pope for terms of five years. It's a far cry from the lands and armies that the Pope used to command, but in many respects, the Pope and the Vatican are more powerful today than they ever were before. While their temporal authority has waned, over the centuries the Pope's claims of spiritual authority have been more clearly expressed, culminating in the proclamation of the dogma of papal infallibility for rare occasions when the Pope speaks ex cathedra, literally from the chair of Peter, to issue a solemn definition of faith or morals. And when the Pope does this, he's actually listened to rather than in the Middle Ages where he was often ignored, such as when he tried to ban using arrows in war, or when he tried to ban slavery, or when he tried to ban charging interest. On top of this, the Catholic Church has now become the world's oldest institution, and certainly is one of the world's largest. There are 1.378 billion Catholics, making it the largest religion in the world. The Pope oversees 5,340 bishops, 
407,000 priests, and 49,000 deacons. The Catholic Church runs 5,500 hospitals, 95,200 primary schools, and 43,800 secondary schools. According to the Vatican economy minister, Father Juan Antonio Guerrero, the Vatican's total net assets in 2019 were worth about 4 billion euros. But with priceless possessions like the countless works of art and architecture, they are likely worth even more. And with modern technology, the Pope is able to spread his message to far more people than any previous Pope could have ever done. And that wraps up our episode on the Pope, the Papal States, and Vatican City. Thanks for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star review and share this with a friend. Also, consider supporting this podcast to keep us going at podcasters.spotify.com. For more information on this topic, check out the sources listed in the description. I'm Doug Archway, and that's history for you.